Hi, Luke here, the musician. This episode is sponsored by my goddamn album, which you can find more about in the middle of this podcast. Hello and welcome to Hey, I Loved That Movie, the podcast where we rewatch the films we loved when we were younger to see if they still hold up. I'm Dan. I'm Michael. I'm Luke. And for today's episode, we watched Rush Hour. So, Rush Hour, I, right, I, I was sure I had seen this movie when I was younger, and the more I watched of it, the more I realised that maybe I'd just seen the sequels. So I loved Rush Hour as a kid. I loved every Jackie Chan film as a kid, as I think every kid does. Oh yeah, Correct. every Jackie Chan film and Jackie Chan Adventures, the best TV yeah. show. The best TV show ever. No, I loved, I loved Rush Hour, I've seen all of the Rush Hours. Uh, one and three are the better ones. But also, like, I, I also watched like, all of the other non-English American uh, Jackie Chan films. Uh, Rumbling in the Bronx. Rumbling in the Bronx, which I probably shouldn't have watched as a kid because yeah. it's not like his other films. It's an actual, like, quite serious movie. <laughs> my my mum walked in on me watching uh, my dad's VHS tape of Rumbling in the Bronx on the scene where Jackie Chan was being bottled. Yeah, no, I remember that. My parents are just like, yeah, no, it's fine, watch it. <laughs> uh, yeah, my mum did not let us watch it from that point. Wow. I mean, like, but mostly because I think I was like six. Yeah, so same. I was, I was a bit young for that, but like, I've seen this film like multiple times as a very young child, and I think like once, once again on like Channel Four or something. Yeah, yeah. like like the ending part, I recognise the most. I'd probably seen that. I don't think there'd ever been a point where I sat down and watched this film through. Are we talking about Rush Hour? Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, back to Rush Hour. Yeah, no, Rush Hour, I think Channel 4 must have owned like the copyright for it for a limited time because I remember being a kid and it was always on Film 4. It's worth stating right up the top, look, uh, unlike Bulletproof Monk, uh, this film is good. Don't get me wrong, Bulletproof Monk is a great film to watch, but not because it's a good film. This film is really good. Like it's solid. It's like, such a good film. Yeah, the like... choreography and stunts. And the, oh, yeah. the actual duo of the two actors have chemistry. Something I, I really constantly thought about was, goddamn, Chris Tucker's good in this. Like, he's just so good as that character. Uh, uh, as I stand by this podcast's history of, we never remember characters' names. Yeah, yeah, these are Jackie Chan and Chris Tucker. Yeah, yeah correct. And we Chris begin Tucker. in British Hong Kong, soon to be former at the uh, like <laughs> which in such a jarring way to st because when i was a kid of course i didn't understand the political conflict that was that and then just starting this film and it's so like yeah it's, it's england english hong kong what and it moves on so quickly oh yeah like it is important though to this film um, yeah. that like that was set up as a thing and jackie chan's character is a police officer of a kind in Hong Kong, he was like the person who becomes the Chinese consulate in America's guy, basically. Yeah. <laughs> like yeah. Jackie Chan was the guy that does the things. And so we get like introduction to like villains that get away that obviously aren't gonna come up. Really cool hairstyle, bleach blonde. Well it was a two thousands movie. Oh god. Or nineties movie, so yeah. yeah Ninety eight this film, I think it was. This is yeah. This is from before The Matrix. Yeah. That's how we actually tie movies on this podcast mm -hmm. is uh, yeah. BTM and uh, ATM. 
like th there's there's a reason why uh, Bulletproof Monk suffered so much for its like post Matrix vibes, and it's because it didn't do it well. Whereas this could not have possibly done the Matrix because it wasn't. Well, no, because it wasn't. It wasn't trying to make like waifu wuxia Hong Kong martial arts film. It was trying to make a relatively realistic fighting comedy. <laughs> yeah, like a, a comedy action movie. The the it's realism aspect film. of it was actually what took me the most by surprise in this. Like I thought it'd yeah. be a straight comedy. Well, that that was like that's like the thing about Jackie Chan's films is they are surprisingly grounded, um, considering it's Jackie Chan. It's Jackie Chan. He, he he is surprisingly grounded in terms of the stunt and fight choreography, but also the fight choreography is always humorous. Yeah, like. Because of the use of the environment, because Jackie Chan looks at his best when he looks completely bewildered and out of his depth in the middle well, of a fight. Jackie Chan is a, as a person, he acts with his face. Oh, yeah. <laughs> like a lot. <laughs> Especially during his fights. Like he doesn't, he's very animated as yeah, he, a person. And he it makes looks it bewildered. Like... Yeah. I love how consistently Jackie Chan's character has. There are two Jackie Chan characters. Matt, well, two Jackie Chan American film characters. There's uh, Jackie Chan is a, a foreign advisor or police officer or whatever from Hong Kong who went to America and knows martial arts and saves people in America. That's one of his characters. And that's this one. The other one is. Uh, Jackie Chan is just a guy who doesn't know martial arts and then is magically given martial arts as a thing. Yeah, like in the tuxedo. <laughs> yeah. It's it's great. And I like I love that I love that he's just this isn't none of it is out of character. None of it is him it's him being surprised. But he looks so shocked at what he can do. Yeah. <laughs> like no matter which character he's playing, he still looks shocked. Yeah, he looks bewildered by his own movements. <laughs> Jackie Chan's internal dialogue when Heavy is fighting is just, oh, fuck, oh, shit, what? <laughs> yeah, it's just panicked screaming, and I love it. So we have the, like, opening sequence of Jackie Chan not quite, like, get, getting the art back, but, like, uh, not quite arresting everyone involved in the, like, art yeah. shit. And then we have, of course, uh, the consulate leaving to uh, go to America. And uh, we get the so... great, the great cut of America is a very friendly place. And then immediately just Chris Tucker swearing at someone yeah, in like... his car. <laughs> uh, Chris Tucker is an undercover LAPD cop who yeah. is very incompetent. No, Chris Tucker is a very good undercover LAPD cop. He just doesn't care. And I think that's the key part. He's not incompetent. Hmm. He's very good at his job. He couldn't give a shit, and it's so good. This um, particular setup for Chris Tucker involves him uh, being involved in an arms deal sting where someone was going to be selling him some C4. That person then drives off trying to escape, and he shoots the C4, and it explodes. Yeah. That um, was a, a very good explosion, too. So <laughs> it's a great explosion. It should be noted that C4 doesn't explode when you shoot it, and you can light C4 on fire with, like, a lighter, and it will just burn down really cleanly. Like, that doesn't matter. But it doesn't matter. It, doesn't. Like, it really doesn't. It's It'd be like, a much more boring movie if he shot it and it's just the it car just stopped. The, the car just drove off. Yeah. <laughs> well, fuck. Well, the plot of worse. this movie doesn't happen because he gets away. <laughs> The like spectacle around this heist kind of further sours Chris Tucker's character with um, his police station chief, who then, for that, might want to give him a shit job later. Well, he can't get rid of him. He can't just drop Chris Tucker's character because Chris Tucker's character's dad is like a an amazing police officer. So he can't just get rid of him. 
That would be ridiculous. So yeah, he has to like kind of demote him. You're a maverick, but god damn it, you get results. Yeah, except he doesn't. Yeah, except he doesn't. The core problem is he doesn't. <laughs> yeah. And then we have the yes. setup for the main plot of the movie, smash cut to the kid who we were introduced to earlier that, like, Jackie Chan taught how to gouge eyes to. Important. Um, she is incredible. Just singing away in traffic. Like, yeah, there was a lot of traffic there. Like, it was a kind of busy time or something. Yeah, really, really peak time. Um, so they <laughs> during decide... peak time. Yeah, it was during peak time. Yeah, um, and then they say they say the title. Uh, they say peak time at one point as well. Yeah, uh, they 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 drive away to avoid you know the peak time traffic. Yeah, uh, into a side street where they're immediately stopped by someone in a police car who gets out and revealed to the audience because we have recognised this person as one of the escaped people from Hong Kong. Um, who just says it's rush hour. Play titles. Initiate kidnapping. Yeah. I love that uh, the kid fights. Oh no, the kid yeah. is the best. The kid never stops fighting. She, she fucking kicks balls and gouges eyes and shit. Yeah. And just like nah, uh, Murph, nah, fuck this. She's like... hard to kidnap. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. But this girl watching it. I remember watching it as a kid. I don't really know when I watched this film. I just remember it really well. Taking being notes. like that kid's fucking cool. <laughs> like that. <laughs> I like that was. I think when I realized that that setup is fucking hilarious of like grown adults trying to like kidnap and the kid just beating the shit out of them almost winning the fight just consistently every film that has like the comedy setup of someone is trying to kidnap someone and that person is not letting it happen this is oh like, it's just she just doesn't give up and it's great <laughs> Usually the way fights go is the two questions you answer to work out who wins a fight was who lands the first hit and who is bigger. It is underdog fighting, right? She, yeah. She's kicking balls and scratching eyes. She's not overpowering them. That's not going to yeah. happen. No, she's there for the fight and it's yeah. great. We then have the FBI who are on the case and the consul is like, I know a guy and the FBI are like, oh, we, we don't want to just work with a guy. Fuck. Um, we should just get someone to like babysit him yeah. and take I him forgot, around town. I forgot that that was Chris Tucker's job was just to babysit Jackie yeah. Chan. Just make sure he doesn't actually do the job so they can do it. Yeah. Jackie, Jackie Chan was being babysat by an LAPD cop who was lied to by his chief to say, like, we're giving you a special job. And I mean, they are, but like, it's just to babysit Jackie Chan. Yeah, babysit Jackie Chan. And... and so we have the buddy cop set up, done, ready. Well, yeah, I think I, I think what makes Chris Tucker and Jack, because throughout the movie, they are such a good, even from like the first interaction, Chris Tucker doesn't think that Jackie Chan can speak English. Jackie Chan goes along with it. Yep. <laughs> and Chris Tucker spends the first like 20 minutes of the movie shouting things at Jackie Chan. Telling him that he's not going to like look after his bags and shit. It's like, no, you put it in the trunk. Yeah. Like, it's so good. And I think the reason they work so well as like a duo and not many other films have that kind of chemistry is so jackie chan is like his internal dialogue during fights is screaming chris tucker's external dialogue is pretty much screaming <laughs> the entire movie we have screaming internally and screaming, and screaming externally and i think that's, that's it <laughs> so we have chris tucker babysitting jackie chan and yep. Chris Tucker, of course, actually wants to solve the thing because at this point in time, he wants to be in the FBI. So does Jackie Chan's character. Jackie yeah. Chan also wants to solve the thing. I mean, because... I don't blame them for wanting to stay in the FBI. I'm surprised that Chris Tucker doesn't get fired for constantly swerving all over the road because mm -hmm. when they're the doing the fake driving, like the background looks fine, but oh, yeah. he's he's doing that thing where just the wheel is constantly moving. And I'm like, wow, that, that car would not be in control. <laughs> 
He's a very good driver. No, it's just really loose steering. <laughs> he's playing Mario Kart DS and he is up on the snaking metagame, all right? Yeah. Like he's getting he's getting those drift boosts even when he's driving straight. I mean, he should probably concentrate on the driving instead of playing on the DS, which I'm surprised he got a DS in 98 to be honest. Look, this movie was ahead of its time, okay? Yeah, yeah, it, really it really was, was, yeah. So we have one of the first big uh, buddy cop scenes is when Chris Tucker takes Jackie Chan to a club where one of Chris Tucker's cousins does gang shit. And like mm -hmm. that kind of interaction between like you, you just kind of grow up around that if you grow up in American inner cities and like you deal with that somehow. But we also have the just do what I do walks in, gives a certain greeting. And mm -hmm. at this point, I think. Oh no. <laughs> um, and Jackie Chan does nothing, and I breathe a sigh of release, uh, re relief. And then a few moments later, Chris Tucker does it again to someone else. And I think, oh no, that's two. Um, it then moves on to a scene in the back dealing with a uh, friend, cousin of Chris Tucker. Um, and Chris Tucker is trying to make a scene a bit to get Jackie Chan to wait outside in the bar and make sure no one comes in before Chris Tucker drops yak and just talks to his cousin. So Jackie Chan is told to wait outside in the bar and he sits down at the bar and he um, does what Chris Tucker does. And yeah. so we have Jackie Chan full gamer moment. Yeah, drops... yeah his, his heated gamer moment. <laughs> drops the n-bomb twice at the barman and gets in a fight with the whole fucking bar yeah and like i was in pain watching this and then completely lost in the fight choreography because like i yeah. knew it was coming that's like the most 1998 setup to a joke it like, makes you know, Jackie Chan seem a lot more stupid than he is. Yeah. Like, and like, you, you know how people say, oh, this thing is a product, this bit is a product of its time. Most of the time they're making an excuse for something awful. Mm -hmm. This joke feels absolutely like a product of its time and like, not mean. Like, it doesn't feel like it's like, ha, that's a joke. Like, it was good comedy in terms of how it was structured together. It yeah. was done in a way that, like, um, it didn't make what Jackie Chan did fine as yeah. well, which is, like, a hard thing to sensitively handle. But still... Uh... Yeah, they, they made Jackie Chan say it. <laughs> Twice. Twice. <laughs> they, you, you know there are multiple takes of that. Like, I want the, I want the outtake. No. <laughs> just the, the credits, uh, the bloopers no. during the yeah, credits, yeah, which is I, a great bit. But yeah. it's just 10 minutes of Jackie Chan saying the N-word. <laughs> like, like, instead of Chris Tucker trying to say three words in um, Mandarin, right? Like, yeah. um, <laughs> like, and completely failing and Jackie Chan being like, and you say I speak English bad. Like, <laughs> yeah. like instead we just have like fucking 10 minutes of Jackie Chan trying to convincingly drop the N-bomb. Like, I, I, I know that's like, you know, a bit further ahead because it's literally the credits of the movie. Yeah. But that is something that I do sort of miss in, I guess you still get it in some comedy movies, but mm -hmm. having the bloopers during the credits yeah. is just a great bit. Yeah, I always think about that. Okay, there are points where bloopers are really fun. And then there are points where you know the only people having fun are the actors. Everyone else on that set is hating it. And there are, there are so many comedies that you watch and it's like the actors are going, ha ha ha, this is so much fun, we're messing up our lines. And you're like that. There's someone stood behind the camera that's been there for like 12 hours already. Some motherfucker is holding that boom and they are tired of your goddamn shit. <laughs> yeah, that's so Their job is to shit. hold the boom and they are holding the boom. Your job is to deliver your fucking lines. Yeah. Deliver your 
your fucking lines. But I feel like with Jackie Chan films, they're always done in like because it's very rarely the bloopers aren't like ten minutes of them trying to say a line and mm-hmm. fail. Like it's a sight gag or it's a thing. It's a joke that doesn't land. Like or a few flubs or like yeah. someone giggled because someone half flubbed the line earlier and they just like yeah. Their shit. Uh, I think that's why they're great. And also, it's also Jackie Chan messing up fight choreography. Oh, God. Which is so good to put that in and not have him. Because I think that's what made one of the things that made Jackie Chan like a kind of hero of action movies at that time was they put in the bits that made him look very human at the end. Whereas, like every other action hero, they took themselves very seriously. Oh, hey there. It's only me, your resident musician. I've just released an album of ambient music. It's called Volume 7, Imagine a Future Otherwise, and it's 13 hours long. It sounds a bit like this. I wanted to charge a reasonable price for it, so it's £7. But if you go to themenace.bandcamp.com and use discount code HILTM15 at checkout, you'll receive 15% off anything on my Bandcamp, including that album and many others of similar lengths. That's HILTM15 at checkout at themenace.bandcamp.com for 15% off. That's enough of that, let's get back to things. Anyway, Jackie Chan gets done dancing about on the pool tables, uh, throwing balls at people, fighting with pool cues, and looking bewildered and shocked the entire time. It's the most powerful state Jackie Chan can be in, is a pound land. (laughs) Like, the the strongest position Jackie Chan can be in. The shit that's around Jackie Chan, the better he is at fighting. So, uh, Chris Tucker, from his interrogation, that is, chatting with his mate, gets that, like, the person that's been buying explosives and weapons around town recently and making big, splashy moves um, is located at a uh, Chinese restaurant. We also get the giving of demands a little soon after this as well, which was a very, very large sum of 90s money. I can't remember it exactly. It's it's less than Bezos pisses in the morning. Yeah. I want to I talk about the war scene. You know what I'm talking about? Yeah, yeah when they're singing the song. This is, this, yeah. is, yeah, yeah. this is for the restaurant stakeout. Yeah, yeah. So the war scene, I think, is one of my favorite. Again, the Jackie Chan films have a lot of tropes, and this is again one of the better ones. Is uh, so Jackie Chan learned something from his Western counterpart, mm-hmm. and then Jackie Chan teaches the Western counterpart how to fight. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And it's such a consistent trope that happens, and I think this is it's executed the best <laughs> because Chris Tucker gets so uppity about Jackie Chan singing it wrong, and it's so good how seriously Chris Tucker's character takes all of these little things that are like culturally so far away from Jackie Chan's character. <laughs> He's like, "No, you're doing it wrong. <laughs> Let me show you how to dance to it as well." Uh, we also have on the outside of that restaurant where Chris Tucker sneaks in and um, he gives Jackie Chan his LAPD ID and we get the line, like, if if, if you need to, flash this. And he says, that won't work. I'm not six foot one. <laughs> <laughs> There's also the strangest scene outside of that, which I don't fully understand why it's in. And I remember watching it and thinking to myself, like, OK, so this is going to come up later. It doesn't. There's no need for it. There's no need for the scene. And it's when the 
tourists come up to Jackie Chan when he's outside and Chris Tucker's inside and they say to him, oh, where do we, do you know where this building is? And he goes, no, sorry, I don't know. <laughs> he goes, oh, no, I'm not from around here. <laughs> and then they leave and then it cuts back to Chris Tucker and so like, why was that scene there? <laughs> I forgot about that scene. It's so. I guess it was because they wanted to have like a bit of Jackie Chan in that sequence. Mm-hmm. But it was so weird of just these two tourists come up to him and go, "Do you know where this building is?" And he goes, "Oh, I'm not from around here." Do you think <laughs> maybe that, wasn't, that, way? that wasn't in the script? It just it just happened. It might have just happened because <laughs> it has that vibe of of not. They just didn't see the camera. There'd be a whole film crew and stuff though. Yeah. Like, they'd have closed off that street, surely. The only reason I can think of for those people was just to get Jackie Chan in that sequence so it's not just, like, hot 20 minutes of Chris Tucker. Mm -hmm. Um, But I like to think that that, those two people turned up later and they had to cut it. (laughs) Those tourists turned up later, and it was foreshadowing that they had to get rid of. They're just somehow in the finale or something. Yeah, that's what I hope happened. Anyway, so that British guy that we saw at the very good, very beginning, who is kind of uh, a colleague of the consulate, shows up, and it turns out that uh, he is the person pseudonym behind the kidnapping and the buying of the he's, arms. We don't guy. know why yet. No. Uh, but it turns out the British guys that were in Hong Kong were the bad guys. What? <laughs> what? I know, right? What a surprise. I am um, shocked. At this point, my notes thin out because the film got too good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no. Oh, this film, like, it's really hard to talk about this film it's just... because it's good. Like, what's just going to happen and what has been happening is we're going, oh, remember this scene? How good was that? The fight choreography throughout the restaurant and upstairs. Oh, it's so good. It's so consistently good. And as I say, the, the best fight scene in every Jackie Chan movie is a group of people fighting over one gun. We had that scene upstairs <laughs> in the restaurant. Yeah, we did. It's amazing how, when you think about it, and I remember watching it, there are so many Jackie Chan film tropes that in every film he's in. The other right. one that I wanted to bring up is the one that happens a bit nearer the end, where during the whole fight, he's trying not to break the vases. Yeah. Because they're expensive artwork. And it's like, yeah, yeah like having him using the environment to fight and break things is great, but having him using the environment and trying not to break it, even better. <laughs> Again, another top-tier Jackie Chan fight scene trope. Some of the best comedy in these films are delivered during Jackie Chan's fight scenes. It's also him fighting, not... this. Okay, so it's not him fighting with Chris Tucker as in they're fighting alongside themselves. It's Jackie Chan using Chris Tucker to fight. (laughs) Using Chris Tucker as a weapon and a tool to fight. Again, something that happens in every Jackie Chan film is someone gets caught up in the middle of a fight. He ends up using them as a weapon. The environment is the weapon, and that includes all the people. I mean, like, he'll he'll throw henchmen at each other and get henchmen to hit each other as well. Just don't stand near Jackie Chan whilst he's in a fight in these films. It's a terrible idea. He's he's (laughs) bewildered. Like, he could do anything. He'll grab you. He'll kick them with you. So anyway, um, they're unveiling some art. Yes, get back to the actual story. Really important (laughs) art. At the same time, because they um, fucked up the drop last time, the ransom increased, and this was their final chance. And at the art unveiling, the consulate is there and uh, was to give a speech, but um, his good friend, the British guy, who is not the bad guy, who is 
the bad guy, stepped in to help out and stuff. Turns out that the person who stole all the art, which Jackie Chan retrieved at the beginning of the movie, the guy behind that was the British guy. Once again, shocker, British colonial types just looting the place they're colonizing for all of the art shit they can find to store in a museum somewhere in the UK. Well, no, that wasn't the problem, though. The problem was... It belonged. So the pro- the thing is, they're putting it in a museum. The problem that this British guy has is he says all this art belonged to one collector before it came here. That mm-hmm. collector was me. Yeah, <laughs> in the most like villainous delivery ever, he, posh villain delivery. Switch to the evil voice, which yeah. is how we know he did it. Yeah, just like this used to all belong to one collector, and that collector was me. So anyway, we find um the daughter. Um, outside wearing a bomb jacket. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Insane. We get the delivery from Chris Tucker of let's get this off you. And she's like, if you take it off me, it'll explode. He's like, let's leave that on. (laughs) Yeah. Once again, just good, solid comedy writing. Delivery. Such good delivery and writing. You better leave this on. (laughs) Yeah. Because, like, that's also something important. Chris Tucker is so far out of his depth with all this. And it's like, because even in the fight scenes, he's not helping that much. Yeah, like, he, he successfully disarmed one guy's gun, and we're like, ah, I didn't know I could do that, there, did you? And then just gets the shit beaten out of him. His shit kicked in. Oh, it's so good. But yeah, we have some ridiculous stunts in this scene. Yeah, yeah. the end of this movie hates my fear of heights. Mm. <laughs> Jackie was hanging from that for a while. Yep. Yeah. Um, and that's that that's not just his character. Jackie Chan, Jackie Chan did that, was yeah, hanging did from that. that for a while. I I loved the wiggling the bomb jacket onto Jackie Chan like. Oh god. <laughs> that was such a clever thing. The whole solution, that whole solution at the end was so complicated and it worked so well. Pulling the big banner across to get him to slide down it. Yeah. Yeah, oh, that, that was great. It's like, so once again, think, a stunt he actually did. Universally, something that's really good about Jackie Chan films. I can't think of like a Jackie Chan martial arts comedy. I don't know much about his serious films because I haven't seen them. But the martial artsy comedy films that he does, the endings are solid because they don't all happen at once. And I think that's one of my favorite things about his films is the ending isn't like, oh, they got it off. It's not like the ending was, oh, she's got a bomb jacket on. Oh, they got the bomb jacket off. Oh, it's done. It was complicated and over like a 10, 15 minute thing where so many moving parts were going on and everyone was having different fights in different places and it was all complicated. And it was so, that is such a solid ending to a good film. We, of course, have the uh, vague love interest, not really, of Chris Tucker, who has like a good dozen lines in the film. You know, yeah. really, really big, fleshed out part. Uh, a large part of that was just that she was a bomb expert um, that really gets nervous around bombs, which, you know what? Fair. Uh, we, fair. Which we, we had a scene earlier where she was um, diffuse because it's all set up. It's all set up pretty well from like foreshadowing because, yeah, there's a scene where she's testing. She's in a, a test environment trying to disarm a bomb and then Chris Ducker walks in and just slaps the glass. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, oh, make a decision. Slaps the glass and the bomb goes off. And that's such a that's such a good scene. Oh fuck yeah! It, oh god, it's all really good. This this film, like, I can't recommend it enough. Like, yeah, like watch it, rewatch it. It's it, worth it. It's just a really good like Western martial arts film. 
good time. Yeah, it's a good, funny movie. So I guess, how how many minutes late would you be because of Rush Hour? Out of 10? <laughs> I, I think it's a solid, like, 8.5. It's it's up there. Nine. Yeah. It, like, I don't even know, like, like eight portions of squid seafood, uh, street food. What? <laughs> was it squid? It was something like I, that. They were shouting about something. <laughs> complaining about something being too greasy. And then Chris Tucker just got into a, a word fight with this guy. That was great. Uh, yeah, the comedy in this is so good and so well done and then so well... Pre- because Jackie Chan is not a funny actor. He's not like when he's acting, he's not a funny person. Well, he's playing the straight man in this, right? Like, but In like a lot of his films, he plays the straight man because he's not he's not like his delivery isn't funny. Even in like the the Chinese films that he's in, the Hong Kong films that he's in, his delivery isn't funny. It's his like the kind of slapstick martial artsy delivery that where the funny is with him. Yeah, he's and he's like the physical comedy. Yeah, and that's why he pairs so well with Doug with um, Chris Tucker because Chris Tucker is such a funny person, and it's just him screaming things. Just and, uh, yeah, I think that's why they do so because there's never a bit in the film where it's not funny because it's either one of them being funny in a fight scene or one of them being funny out of a fight scene it's just so good it's like Mm. it's a nine honestly yeah i think it's a nine i think oh yeah solid solid nine minutes late because of rush hour well no peak time peak time peak time Uh, i'd probably give it like maybe an eight Mm -hmm. like yeah i I did enjoy it i i I say i don't think i'd ever sat down and watched it all the way through before but still like a yeah really enjoyable funny movie like there's also the end gag that I just remembered. That is at the end of every Rush Hour film is Chris Tucker looking at a person who has very clearly just died and goes, well, he's dead. <laughs> like, I think if this one is he fell out of a building or something, <laughs> Chris Tucker just goes, well, he's dead. And it's like every Rush Hour film, that, that running joke where the big bad is very obviously killed and Chris Tucker goes, well... Um, um, if you fall from high enough, you can break bones hitting a water surface. Yeah. Yeah, it was quite a shallow and pool as well. <laughs> as Chris Tucker said, well, he's dead. Yeah, I mean, he's dead. Like, um, Yeah, which I very distinctly remember a uh, blooper from one of the later ones. I don't know if it was Rush Hour 3 where the, that happens and that scene happens. He's med- Chris Tucker's meant to deliver that line. And he goes, well, he isn't making it to the next Rush Hour. <laughs> <laughs> So like so I haven't seen any of the Rush Hour sequels, which is the opposite oh, of my so usual good. movie approach, where I normally don't watch the first film and watch as many sequels as I can because it's better. But yeah, like this with Rush Hour, I I think this is the first time I've watched Rush Hour on purpose, right? Like it doesn't yeah. really count when you're six; you're barely functioning. You don't understand what your actions mean. Yeah, and this then... is this is absolutely an accidental film as well. Like yeah. you don't plan to watch this film normally. It's on TV. Yeah, At least it was when we were growing up it's on film four yeah it's on film four <laughs> yeah chance like fight comedy is just so, it's, so good it's the best it's absolutely the best it's i think i'm very sad there aren't good this style of of like martial arts fight scenes films anymore because i think i think they'd be they're great and every fight scene now is cut so quickly and so it's so, the pace is too quick for it to be funny or entertaining well, that's that's the thing as well with these fight scenes like the cuts you you, you do the game right where you, you where you clap every time there's a cut yeah the fight scene if you do it with bulletproof monk you you're you're applauding 
Yeah. If you do it with this, you clap maybe like once every three to four seconds. Yeah. Sometimes you get proper long shots, 10 seconds yeah. plus, of just Jackie Chan diving over shit, looking really out of his depth, throwing pool cues. It's, it's all collectively a good thing. And, and it, that's because everyone in that scene knows how to fight. Yeah. Whereas a lot of, a lot of action stars don't. <laughs> So they have to I'm cut here around to it, buff, right? Yeah, they have to cut around it, and they're not allowed to be funny every night ever. Sorry about to the audience. I apologize about this episode because it is just a good film. So like, yeah, what do yeah. you want from us? Yeah, I'm. I'm sorry, audience. <laughs> I suggested a good film. You're <laughs> fucking welcome. <laughs> Go watch Rush Hour for fuck's sake. Yeah, stop listening. Let's wrap this up. If we wrap stop. it up, you can go watch the movie or watch the yeah. movie and then listen to this again. We're just gonna do the we're just gonna do the outro now. So just stop the podcast now and just put Rush Hour on. Go. No, keep listening. There is an important bit. Oh yeah. Wait five minutes and then go put Rush Hour on. <laughs> it's just a good we can't have films this good on this podcast. I'm sorry. You're welcome. We're gonna have to call the list. <laughs> <laughs> well with that i have been dan I, I have i have been michael i've been luke you can find us on twitter at hilton pod that is at h-i-l-t-m pod and as we're on uh, apple podcast and spotify feel free to leave us a review <laughs> also hi i'm I, I i do the music for this show but i also do a lot of other music given when this episode will come out i will have put out an album the friday before this it is on bandcamp you can find it at themenace.bandcamp.com spelled like my surname probably links in the show notes here's hoping yeah i'm the menace on all the socials you can find me there on all the socials at the menace that's cool uh go watch rush hour go watch rush hour go go watch rush hour now do it do it now (laughs) stop what you're doing now i know you're watching this like on listening to this like on the way to the shop or like driving home from work but just pull over to the side of the road and put on rush hour you can get back home later like it's it's peak time you're driving home from work okay there might be less traffic later like if you if you pull over to the side of the road during peak hours watch rush hour (laughs) by the time you've finished watching it you'll you'll get home way quicker yeah you're you're welcome Go watch fucking. Go watch. It's hard to say. Go watch Rush Hour. Irish wristwatch. <laughs> <laughs>